0: Hey, if you think you might be lost, because you got lots of new thoughts, I'll be informed. Or if you're feeling like a fool, cause you've been used just like a tool since you were born. Hey, if you're trying to get through life, then friend, I've got some great advice or not growing horns. They say that ignorance is bliss, but if new, you knew, then you'd be pissed. So get informed. Coming at you live from the depression hole. I got about 40 pounds of shit on my bed. Let's go. Left to Slip podcast.
1: That was a good one.
0: I'm a host and I'm pretty far away from the mic. Uh, let's, let's wait. Hang on. Um, how do we do this? Let
1: me tilt. Let we're me doing tilt. Some, like we're doing some fucking. Uh, <laughs> Geometry here. The ballet of the studio mic. I'm a host, Colin Orton. This is in my hands.
0: Uh, genders. Um, we're figuring that out. And, uh, <laughs> Al.
1: I am also a host, uh, also genders. The joke I was going to tell was error 404, gender not found. Yeah, for um, real, for real. Yeah, and if we sound a little bit different, it's because we're in the same room. We've-
0: We've taken Zoom out back and killed it like a lame horse. Oh,
1: God.
0: We are in person.
1: The red fern grows on the grave of
0: where we buried Zoom. Which is... (laughs) We'll probably be back on Zoom soon enough. But we've killed the middleman. Al, what are we reading?
1: Well, Colin, we are back at it again with the white fans. No, I'm sorry. We're back at it again with Angela Davis's Women, Race, and Class. Today we're going to be reading chapters 3 and 4. Chapter 3, Class and Race in the Early Women's Rights Campaign. And chapter 4, let me hold my coffee between mine thighs so I can check. Racism in the Women's Suffrage Movement. Um, and they're good ones. They they're, are, yeah. Meaty boys. But first... I believe you have some news, Colin.
0: Yeah. um, Horrifying sound. Trigger warnings abound for the news and for the book. Honestly, for like most of the books we read, trigger warnings generally. I just need Mm -hmm. to get better about remembering to do them. Uh, But especially for the news this week. So France had an election.
1: I actually did not know that.
0: Yeah. um, Emmanuel Macron. Nice. (laughs) um, Triumphed, I guess you could call it. Over uh, Marine Le Pen, who is a full-scale fascist, mm-hmm. um, which, like, I saw... There was, there was a bunch of memes on Twitter about it because there were some polls being like, why did you vote for Macron after, after, at, like, exit polls? And mm-hmm. apparently, according to, you know, the meme, there's a screen grab from French TV that's been, like, circulating on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Apparently, 91% of people surveyed said that they voted for Macron to defeat Le Pen, not hey. because they liked Macron.
1: Now, <laughs> talk about the better of two evils. <laughs> it's,
0: um, neoliberalism is doing really good. Uh, mm-hmm. this, is, this is how you have a healthy democracy. Um, and th- what's notable, though, is there were riots uh, all over France, largely in Paris and Lyon. So when I say all over France, I mean in those two cities. I'm trying to be more precise. It's, it's We're working on it. Um, but there... They were protests, essentially saying that the election was rigged and that it was stolen from the. It's Trump style election denialism. Yeah. That is spreading.
1: I feel like, unfortunately, every right wing movement in every country now has an ex, has a bit of an excuse to pull a little mini January sixth every time.
0: Every time they lose an election.
1: Yeah. Um, Not that they actually do, but that they think they do.
0: I think it was Hassan Piker who said that uh, America's Papa. number one. Uh, number one export is brain rot, <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> and I think he's he's right about that. In that, America is a you know you can see America in America stuff that will happen globally mm-hmm. a few years in advance, and unfortunately, we're starting to see neoliberal democracy fail everywhere. everywhere. Mm-hmm. Which is not awesome.
1: You know what, I'll, I'll add or adjust that. I think brain rot, yes. And, but I think it's also because, and this is going to sound very much like I think the U.S. is a good place, which I do not. Um, but the United States' main export is culture. Yeah. Not culture in the sense where, oh, enriching. I mean the way we behave yeah, is televised. We're
0: the global hegemon.
1: Um,
0: yeah. And we <laughs> make other places like us. Yeah. Sometimes by force. Yeah, sometimes by imperialism. (laughs) Like, yeah, we... Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. But lately, Western entertainment is as much an imperialist force as Mm -hmm. the military. Anyway.
0: Well, and Mm -hmm. a lot of Western entertainment is directly subsidized by our military and is military propaganda. Oh, yeah. I'm
1: not talking about propaganda, but that's also a thing, but...
0: Marvel movies. Um, (laughs) (laughs) What? Oh, this one? No. Yeah, Madison Cawthorn got caught bringing a loaded gun through airport security. This is the second time he's done this. That was at Charlotte Douglas International Airport.
1: And the sad thing about this is I can't mute my coughs anymore, but how is this man still allowed to have his job?
0: Anyway, th- that's about it. Uh, moving on. Uh,
1: we don't need to give him any more airtime. <laughs>
0: exactly. So Minneapolis. About a week after the death of George Floyd, the Minneapolis Department of Human Rights began a civil rights probe into the Minneapolis Police Department going through records dating back to, like, 2010.
1: As they should.
0: They went through, like, a decade of records. And? Well, they have the results. Um, There is a second probe into the MPD uh, that the Department of Justice has launched as Mm -hmm. well. They haven't released their results yet. But some of the results from that uh, investigation show that 63% of all use of force incidents that MPD officers recorded were against black individuals. Of course. That's just a direct quote from Insider, Mm -hmm. by the way. Mm -hmm. Uh, Despite the fact that black people make up uh, 19% of Minneapolis's population. Wow. Yeah, MPD is more likely to stop vehicles with people of color and indigenous individuals because of their race.
1: Just blatantly.
0: Yep. Oh, my God. Uh, And treats black and white individuals differently during traffic stops because of their race. Oh, my God. Again, direct quote. Quote, the report says MPD officers, quote, use covert social media to target black leaders, black organizations, and elected officials without a public safety objective, end quote.
1: Just to terrorize them for no reason, without an objective.
0: Correct. Quote, some MPD officers and supervisors use racist, misogynistic, and disrespectful language, the report says, which adds that, quote, officers are trained to be aggressive toward community members, escalating situations, and often using inappropriate levels of force. Oh this is all stuff we know, yeah. but it's confirmation from the city of Minneapolis.
1: Fuck.
0: Uh, yeah, Minneapolis reports uh, not don't... Like, there are reports of police using racial slurs not just against black civilians, but also against black officers.
1: Oh, I mean, fucking all so bad.
0: Yeah. The report goes on to say that the police data it re- reviewed, quote, demonstrates significant racial disparities with respect to officers' use of force, traffic stops, searches, citations, and arrests.
1: In that, like, white cops are allowed to get away with more? Now, no one should be allowed to get away with any of it, but...
0: Yeah, it's it's <sighs> profoundly racist at every level.
1: Yeah, like, no matter how you
0: slice it. And, like, we've been new, but this is the government of that city being like, hey, are police forces racist at every level?
1: Overwhelmingly so. <laughs> like...
0: Yeah. Comprehensively. Um, also, the other officers who were present at... Uh, mm. George Floyd's murder
1: yeah.
0: are facing trial this June. That was something that I didn't actually know. Hell yeah. So that's a grim one.
1: Has there been any response from the city of Minneapolis? Like, any, like,
0: uh, calls for reform, This was or? really recent.
1: Oh, okay. So probably not yet, but coming.
0: And, uh, yeah. Quote, The city of Minneapolis and its police department did not immediately respond to a request for comment by Insider on Wednesday.
1: Of course they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, you saw that study we published about how racist our police department is, and you want to write an article about it? Uh, I'm at my niece's piano recital, I can't. So, okay. speaking
0: of, there's a lot of, uh, uh, so we'll get into some Florida news.
1: I've heard about those. Yeah, Ron
0: DeSantis created a new agency to prevent voter fraud. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's like, it's like a mouse, oh my god, no, it's like a mouse making a mousetrap. trap. Continue. <laughs>
0: Uh, he also gets to appoint law enforcement officers, like he, Ron DeSantis, the governor, Jesus. gets to appoint law enforcement officers to that organization.
1: I'm with, sorry. With what? no
0: oversight. He's the one who chooses who's on it.
1: Wait, so the agency to stop voter suppression is full...
0: Handpicked by the governor.
1: And it's it's all cops. It's, it's all... law
0: enforcement. Yeah, so state we, police.
1: Yeah. Tran- yeah. You know, Oh my like, god. It could be, you know...
0: Uh, Let me see if I can find a quote here, but it could be like transfers uh, from federal agencies as well. Quote, Florida's governor will be allowed to appoint their own officers in every regional office of the State Department of Law Enforcement, taking away oversight held by nonpartisan election administrators and giving it to partisan politicians. The uh, campaign, uh, so that's the quote, the campaign legal center said uh, regarding this.
1: That, yeah, he... Yeah, they said it, but like, isn't he inherently making an agency that's supposed to stop voter suppression more likely to? Oh
0: no, they're not stopping voter suppression; oh. they're stopping voter fraud.
1: Oh, so it's. Oh, oh my God. Uh, they're I'm
0: stopping a, the wrong people from voting, you see.
1: Fuck me. <laughs> God fucking damn it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Ron DeSantis really wants to be president. That's really bad. He's
1: um, not going to be. I mean, he, I he
0: think actually, he's going to run. He's uh, setting
1: himself up for it with the Republicans with the Don't Say Gay bill. And, and he's and
0: demonstrating an ability to consolidate hard power under himself in a way that Donald Trump could only dream of doing. Mm-hmm, uh, true. Which is. America is already a fascist state, yeah. basically. Um, Where We pretend not to be, but we have all of the red flags. <laughs> but he, he is really turning Florida into a full-scale dictatorship mm-hmm. under himself. A version of the Don't Say Gay Bill has been introduced in the Ohio State Legislature. Yeah, I saw that. And uh, I just remembered that because Florida. Back to Florida, however, in Kissimmee, Florida, I believe, yeah, In Kissimmee, Florida, uh, quoting from Orlando 6, I think is the name of this. It's a local Florida news. Um, A man was, uh, quote, A man was killed and three other were injured after two Osceola County deputies opened fire Wednesday night outside a Target store near Kissimmee, authorities said. Uh, The fatal shooting happened near the store. The, uh, The county sheriff issued a statement, which was, and I quote, it's an officer-involved shooting. Two of our officers are involved. They're fine. We have one deceased male, and we're fully cooperating with the Florida Department of Law Enforcement. So, one dead, three injured from this shooting, because, uh, allegedly, one of the people that they shot attempted to steal a pizza and some Pokemon cards.
1: Oh my god, man's was just trying to have a nice night. Um, I hate can I just say I hate the term officer involved shooting because it is because it's
0: manufacturing consent for police murders yes
1: and it's a way and for Republicans or right wing officer involved shooting instantly is like oh no officers were put in danger that's the focus of that not yeah
0: our officers are fine is the first thing he said
1: exactly not oh they killed a guy who just stole some Pokemon cards allegedly we
0: don't actually it's not clear whether or not the person who died was
1: committing any crime of any yeah or was even the person who stole or allegedly yeah, stole
0: it yeah it's it's not clear
1: i'm upset
0: yeah colin um, spilled his
1: tea we're gonna
0: clean it up with the loose oil rag brief on the floor
1: hold for emotional and liquid uh, containment anyway <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, speaking of florida uh, drew's cheating on me with another podcast Uh, He has another leftist podcast he likes that I'm going to plug here. Go for Um, it. Will Be Wild is all about the January 6th. It's a documentary series about the January 6th events. Um, And apparently they... Was it Will Be wilder. He actually has two... Other leftist podcasts, he's betraying me with. <laughs> Just kidding, but one of them was talking about uh, Florida this week, so it was funny to hear him go, "Do you know who Rob DeSantis is?" And I'm like, "Oh, I know Rob." <laughs> Just a
0: DeSantis. casual, "Do you know who Rob DeSantis is?"
1: How dare you in my own house? Okay, oh gosh,
0: and so when Bruce of Colorado um, self-immolated on the steps of the U.S. Supreme Court as a climate change protest and almost all of the like major media coverage that I've found of his action did not ma- mention why he self-immolated, why he lit his body on fire.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's really, really fucking sad. Um,
1: I just I can't rest help in but,
0: power win Bruce.
1: Yeah, rest in power. I just can't help but think about how the media loves to sensationalize the minds and psyches of serial killers or mass shooters. Like everyone wants to know why they did it. But a man literally lights himself on fire in protest and all of a sudden it can just be waved away with, Oh, he was clearly unstable. Like no. Yeah. Which also, yep. I don't know whether or not he was that way. That's just, like, what the yeah. news articles seem to be.
0: Uh, there was some some quote about self-immolation uh, that's been making the rounds on Twitter.com that is, quote, Self-burning is somehow difficult for the Western Christian conscience to understand. The press spoke of suicide, but in the essence, it is not. It is... Not even a protest. Ellipsis. Aimed at alarming, at moving the hearts of the oppressors, and at calling attention to the world. To burn oneself by fire is to prove that what one is saying is of the utmost importance. There is nothing more painful than burning oneself. To say something while experiencing this kind of pain is to say, to say it with the utmost courage, frankness, determination, and sincerity. Yeah, tik nan han. Not Han, maybe. I uh really suck at Vietnamese.
1: Well um, but fair. Yeah. You, you googled the pronunciation, which is more than most would have done. Uh and he was a monk, it says in the uh, the
0: um the the source of that quote, but it's it's a quote about like mm-hmm. why people self immolate.
1: Yeah. More than just protest. It's
0: more than just protest, yeah.
1: Oh, that's so
0: In other news, um now that I've really just brought us down here uh the freedom convoy uh the freedom convoy attempted to drive into uh, it was in oakland um uh, so people's convoy tried to roll into oakland and they were met with eggs
1: yeah uh
0: very funny stuff um as they should be (laughs) it's so funny (laughs) yeah Local quote from the hill, local teenagers and young adults, uh, and quote threw eggs at the convoy when they tried to roll into Oakland and they just like didn't, so they got egged. But oh today, God. <laughs> uh, today outside of Portland, uh, the Freedom Convoy also got egged, uh, and they responded by firing almost a full magazine of live ammunition. As far as I know, nobody was injured, but they just kind of, um, this is according to Alyssa Azar who is a really great local journalist. Um, But yeah, apparently Freedom Convoy just emptied a fucking pistol magazine as a response to eggs. As far as I know, nobody was injured.
1: Which is, I mean, it's such a typically juvenile response. To
0: eggs? Yeah, To
1: eggs. Lethal lethal
0: fucking force?
1: I guess I don't want to say it is typically juvenile, but it's absolutely something I could see. Men of this mindset doing when given guns and believing that they're like—it's a tantrum. It's a yeah. m- murder potential, potentially deadly tantrum, and that's honestly a lot of fascism. That's, um,
0: yeah, it's pretty central to fascist ideology, frankly.
1: Er fascism, baby, Umberto, echo the air sat's phallus. <laughs>
0: Well... Simultaneously
1: um, victimized and oppressing. You Shall you want to we move on to the, the Yeah. Ah, uh, I love it. when of the same thought, same time. All right, kids. Listen up. That sounded aggressive. It was supposed to be. Today, <laughs> we're reading chapters three and four of Angela Davis's Women Race, in Class, like I said before. And in the first couple of chapters that we read, last time we were doing an in-betweeny segment between readings with guests, we established the... Uh, Davis established the interesting historiography behind how the lives of black women were documented um, in the slavery and the antebellum era um, and why it was false documentation, basically, that was based on a lot of ideas rather than the actual experiences of black women. And then the, the second chapter sort of became how the abolition movement was an inspiration for the women's rights movement because so many members of the abolition movement saw that you could organize through the lens of that movement and then applied it to the women's rights movement. But in these chapters, first chapter three, class and race in the early women's rights campaign, and then chapter four, racism in the early women's suffrage movement, we have learn how they kind of were willing to... These white women... Uh, it was there was no intersectionality. Yeah. This is basically just the roots of white feminism as we know it today, and setting up that oh, white women are very willing to work S- together specifically
0: women. middle class and upper middle class yes. white women as far as that social movement and most social movements thereafter yeah. are concerned. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's all about themselves, basically
0: they're they're willing to kick the ladder down after they climb it.
1: Yeah, that's um, a very good way to put it.
0: Well, I, uh, I actually stole that from. There was a really great interview um, after <laughs> uh, after the death of Margaret Thatcher. Um, they interviewed this like random Scottish woman, and they were like, "How do you feel now that the prime minister is dead?" And she was like, "I'm fucking thrilled."
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> that that <laughs> she calls her a bitch and was like, she climbed the ladder and then uh, for all women, and then kicked it down behind her the second she was at the top. Yeah, um, which yeah,
1: all my homies hate Margaret Thatcher. Um and yeah, we see the same thing here. Uh chapter 3 mainly it kind of goes through a bunch of different figures in the early women's rights movement and then describes their relationship with the movement. And so you've got Lucretia Mott who we talked about in the first couple chapters. Um and then she is immediately placed in uh, she is placed in opposition to Elizabeth Cady Stanton. Lucretia Mott was more of a spiritual person. She was less educated. She was more like true middle class. Whereas Elizabeth Cady Stanton was upper class slash upper middle class. She had a law education from her father. Like she was resistant of the woman's place in the world. She, her ambitions for herself were uh, more than that.
0: One of the big differentiations that this book makes uh, that is, I think, very critical as far as understanding the women's liberation movement circa, you know, the center of the 19th century, Mm -hmm. is that womanhood looked very different depending on your social class. Mm -hmm. Uh, And your race. Oh, Mm. absolutely, yeah. Um, But, like, largely if you were lower class, you were still working. You were just getting paid less. Yeah. Uh, And And if you were upper class, you were a housewife. um, And you were essentially... Uh, fully dependent economically, socially, and as uh, as Davis says in the book, morally even, mm-hmm. on your husband. Uh, and so there's a subjugation of different varieties there, depending on social class. The the sort of gilded cage of mm-hmm. housewifery.
1: Yeah. It was interesting. And, and the women's sphere is something that we, we learned about in our early modern class when we were in college at the same time. Yep. We learned... uh, And it's funny reading this because... So they talk about Frederick Douglass, legendary king. Fucking uh, hell yes, all my homies love Frederick Douglass. Um, Frederick Douglass was friends with Elizabeth Cady Stanton. Yeah. And apparently Elizabeth Cady Stanton actually like convinced him that women needed the right to vote yeah. um, by arguing against the traditional arguments that he presented to her of things like the women's sphere, which dictated that women were creatures of private sphere and like were of more benefit to the world in the home and things like that. Yeah.
0: These kinds of uh, the, the sort of, it is that way because it is the way you are, that mm-hmm. very circular argument, you see that a lot Anyway, mm-hmm. that's the end of my uh, like, like you just, you just see that sort of very essentialist human nature argument yeah you see that uh especially it's it 's a meme as a defense of capitalism it's the
1: mm-hmm.
0: we can 't have a better future actually because of human nature you see uh, and what evidence do I have to support that human nature is this way? Well, you see, I have decided that it is, and therefore <laughs> what? yeah.
1: We, that was it, We talked about this a little bit with um, uh, Book Chen, where mm-hmm. we were talking about the different ideas of ecologically what humans are in our like environment, and the idea that are we subject to the whims of our environment, or are we the lion? Are we the king of the food chain? Um, and, and in line with that, some other essentialist arguments were, oh, Christ was a man, so men are superior. <laughs> I
0: forgot that that's literally an argument they made you.
1: Yeah, and then yeah. related to our early modern literature, and they mention it here is, and Eve was a woman, and she fucked up, so obviously women are dumb. <laughs> yeah. And yeah,
0: it's the Adam's rib thing.
1: Yeah. Wouldn't you be pissed if you found out you were just... Some homies rib.
0: I'm sorry. Some dudes. Some guys rib. Some
1: bored fuckboys rib. Um, but um,
0: it talks a lot about Seneca Falls. Yes, uh, Seneca as Falls the sort conference. of birthplace of the women's liberation movement. As far as the mm-hmm. actual like organized movement was concerned. But
1: don't forget that ten years prior, the first actual government intervention of a labor. Situation occurred because of women's rights, because it was male
0: girls. I don't know if it was the first government
1: intervention. Let me find the quote. It wasn't the first intervention, but it was. But like- it
0: was it was the, the the women's liberation movement began with shock of shocks, militant labor rights activists yeah. uh, fighting for better pay, better conditions. And uh, mm-hmm. they were, you know, violently suppressed by the state. But almost all of these labor rights activists were women uh, mm-hmm. working in the mills. Um, and that was sort of the a, a precursor to what would later be the Women's Liberation Movement, which already you see these two branches of the Women's Liberation Movement, the very intersectional labor-based, mm-hmm. uh, like, fighting for better conditions for all working class struggle versus the ivory tower, Seneca Falls.
1: No, we, oh god, we'll get into it when we talk about the fourth chapter, but like Seneca, the people who ran Seneca Falls. I say that because of
0: the fourth chapter, not Seneca Falls.
1: Yeah, okay, so let me, yeah, as I I mentioned to Colin when I walked in here, I was like all for Elizabeth Cady Stanton for the whole third chapter, and then the fourth chapter hits you, and you're just like, no! I believed it! you were gonna be cool
0: she has her villain arc really hard in the fourth chapter
1: yeah so um as Colin was articulating very well I don't know uh, about that
0: but sure <laughs>
1: <laughs> love yourself god damn it um it was the while Seneca Falls like had a lot of Great, it had a great start. Like, it was attended by black men and mm-hmm. no black women, notably. There were, like, at least yep. two black men, but at least one black man, uh, man I have a, no a, black I, women. I have
0: a, uh... Mm. Yep, I have a quote, actually, about that. Um,
1: sure.
0: Sorry to cut you off. Go ahead. Uh, so, first quote. An inestimable importance of the Seneca Falls Declaration was its role as the articulated consciousness of women's rights At mid-century, it sort of took what was a formulating movement, like something that had been percolating for a long time, Mm -hmm. and actually put a point on it, like sharpened it.
1: Gave it structure.
0: However, as a rigorous consummation of the consciousness of white middle-class women's dilemma, the Declaration all but ignored the predicament of white working-class women as it ignored the condition of black women in the South and North alike. In other words, the Seneca Falls Declaration proposed an analysis of the female condition which disregarded the circumstances of women outside the social class of the document's framers. Mm
1: -hmm. Seneca Falls, white feminism, proto-era, and then Charlotte Woodward and Sojourner Truth, intersectional feminism, proto-era. They, so, yeah. the mill women, I'm sorry, I have the quote about the mill women and you're, then I'll move on. Um, just cause I thought this was really neat. I, I also have it here. Hell yeah, well, um, campaigning for, it, for, for the it. 10, funny enough, they were campaigning for a 10 hour workday. <laughs> cause that was an improvement for the 12 to 14 hour days they were doing.
0: I mean, yeah, like a lot of the early, uh, the, the big like labor thing was an eight hour work day because you have eight hours for sleep, eight hours mm-hmm. for work and eight hours for what you will as yeah. like your day.
1: But yeah, and that was an improvement because these women basically... There were these mills that presented themselves as a sort of finishing school where you could earn money before marriage and also you would be watched over and safeguarded by matrons who would make sure you were safe and ladylike. But they were exploitative labor factories. Um, And so this paragraph, campaigning for the 10-hour day, the Lowell... the me. Fuck me. (laughs) campaign. We're
0: doing great. We're really enunciating well here.
1: I believe in it quote, campaigning for the 10 hour day the Lowell Female Labor Reform Association presented petitions to the Massachusetts state legislature in 1843 and 1844 when the legislature agreed to hold public hearings the Lowell woman occurred the distinction of winning the very first investigation of labor conditions by a government body in the history of the United States it was the first investigation
0: investigation. yeah that's right Mm
1: -hmm. this was clearly a blow for women's rights and it predated by four years the official launching of the women's movement
0: yeah a blow for women's rights.
1: Yes. Um, not a blow against women's rights. Mm-hmm. So clearly, people had a... The, the consciousness of w- the, necessi- the, ooh, the necessity for women's rights <laughs> originated in the labor movement as much as it did in the abolition movement. And yet, what the Seneca Falls like committee evolved into is white feminism incarnate. Uh, Charlotte Woodward was a person that was trying to speak at the Seneca Falls Convention. She basically was one of the only, only working women there. Um, she was a glove maker who has this great quote, a paragraph leading into a quote. As a glove maker, her occupation was not yet industrialized. She worked at home, receiving wages legally controlled by the men in her family. And when describing the circumstances of her work, she expressed that spirit of rebellion which had brought her to Seneca Falls. We women work secretly in the seclusion of our bedchambers because all society was built on the theory that men, not women, earned money and that men alone supported the family. I do not believe that there was any community in which the souls of some women were not beating their wings in rebellion. For my own obscure self, I can say that every fiber of my being rebelled, although silently. All the hours that I sat and sewed gloves for a miserable pittance, which, as it was earned, could never be mine. I wanted to work, but I wanted to choose my task, and I wanted to collect my wages. That was my form of rebellion against the life into which I was born. Fucking hell yeah, sister.
0: I, um... I have been recently doing research into how much people got paid in the 1700s for work. Oh. And uh, one of the things was like, you could make, I think it was like five pounds a month. And the value of a pound is hotly debated in the, in the 1700s. But mm. uh, you could make five pounds a month as like a manual laborer, f- five and up. Mm. Uh, half that if you're a woman. Jeez. Like the gender pay gap... Uh, and, of course, this is, you know, 140 years later. But the the gender pay gap only gets larger as you get further back.
1: Oh, my God. Um,
0: and so you get women laboring secretly in their homes. And when they say a pittance, they mean a fucking pittance. Literally. Like <laughs> like nothing.
1: Um, it's worth a couple extra ounces in your pocket, but you hand it to your husband at the end of the day.
0: Uh, yeah. Because what are you
1: supposed to do? Well...
0: It it took it took fucking years in this country for women to be able to have their own bank accounts. Mm-hmm. Like New York City actually was one of the first places in the country where women could visit the post office without a chaperone. Oh,
1: really? Yeah. Um, I didn't know that. Like
0: when when they talk about like husbands having control over their wives, I mean literally could not enter public spaces without their husbands. Oh my god! Like uh, this is the UK in the UK for example, but mm. like. Pubs were male-only spaces, Boo. and that was essentially the town square. Like, like yeah. in the UK, the public house is where you would go to like participate in society after work. Yeah, male-only space. Yeah, for like most of Britain's history, Sounds and right. that's a lot of spaces in the like. Women were not just oppressed, but excluded from society mm-hmm. in a really fascinating way in this period.
1: They point out, uh, I don't remember whether it's uh, Davis' Davis's analysis of historical text or a quote from someone, but they point out that, you know, the three opportunities that women would have to gain, like, wealth or... Oh, I think it was an Elizabeth Cady Stanton uh, mm-hmm. sentence. Uh, she's got some great quotes before you find out she's fucking racist. Um, but
0: <laughs> and not just, like, racist by 1840s.
1: Standard. Average
0: amounts of racism standards? No. But racist. Like,
1: racist, racist. We'll get into it's it. It's
0: unfortunate. Um,
1: but she points out that, you know, the clergy, medicine, and education, and law, those four areas, which were the only way to gain, like, notoriety or wealth of any kind, like, whether the most high prized jobs were completely exclusionary of women. Yep. And. Uh, the woman Maria Stewart Who was one of the black women That was allowed to speak at Seneca Falls um, And I say allowed to speak Because not only was it An issue for women To even be allowed to speak at women's conventions For a while Like they would been so brainwashed That they were not allowed to be witnessed in public
0: I don't know if they were brainwashed as much as like
1: I mean oppressed yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah Like like the fucking apparatus of the state Could come down on you If you talked too much well, in public true. Yeah.
1: Oh, I mean But later they talk about others uh, another great uh, segment where they talk about Sojourner Truth speaking at a a segment where literally all of the the, the crowd, which was women speaking about women's issues, was getting harassed by um men yeah obviously yeah. and all of the white women were too fucking scared to talk back and then sojourner truth steps up and they were also telling the white leader of the conference like don't let her speak don't let her speak oh i told people there would be oh i told you it was a bad idea they were gonna because some people were absolutely not for the integration of abolition and black rights and women's rights yeah. and so like even when sojourner truth stood up to speak like other white women who were at the moment being harassed by men still didn't want her to speak. And then Sojourner Truth absolutely slams on these motherfuckers with the ain't I a woman speech, which, oh my God, we'll get there in chapter four. Um, But Maria Stewart, who was another one of the black women um, involved at Seneca Falls was, I mean, she wasn't involved at Seneca Falls. There were no black women at Seneca Falls. We said that earlier. Um, She was involved in the movement and later wrote in Freedom's Journal that she thought education was so important. But that was even contentious. In the women's right movement at this time, they couldn't decide whether or not they wanted women to have a vote. They couldn't decide whether or not they wanted to be allowed into schools. They just knew something was wrong. <laughs> but um, there's a here's a quote uh, from, oh, wait, no. Yeah, this is going to illustrate a lot of what I'm trying to say in a lot more of a concrete way than I could. Here's two paragraphs from uh, chapter three. The failure to recognize the potential for an integrated women's movement, particularly against sexism in education, was dramatically revealed in an episode occurring during the crucial summer of 1848. Ironically, it involved the daughter of Frederick Douglass. After her official admission to a oh, girls' seminary. Story sucks. I know, it sucks hard. After her official admission to a girls' seminary in Rochester, New York, Douglas's daughter was formally prohibited from attending classes with the white girls. The principal, who issued the order, was an abolitionist woman. When Douglas and his wife protested the segregationist policy, the principal asked each white girl to vote on the issue, indicating that one objection would suffice to continue the exclusion. After the white girls voted in favor of integrating the classroom, the principal approached the girl's parents using the one resulting objection, one, as an excuse to exclude Douglas's daughter. That a white woman associated with the anti-slavery movement could assume a racist posture toward a black girl in the north reflected a major weakness in the abolitionist campaign, its failure to promote a broad anti-racist consciousness. This serious shortcoming, abundantly criticized by the Grimke sisters and others... Note, the Grimke sisters stay dope. So, they, she hasn't mentioned any reason that the Grimke sisters aren't dope, so far. Um, so far. So far. <laughs> We're only in chapter four. This serious shortcoming, abundantly criticized by the Grimke sisters and others, was unfortunately carried over into the organized movement for women's rights. Just what the fuck, you guys? Your movement literally started in abolition. Continue. Sorry. Oh, no, it's,
0: um, I, uh, I was just reminded of, uh, another black girl who was like harassed over going to school, an incredibly similar situation. Mm -hmm. Uh, just for guys, for reference, Ruby Bridges, um, the first, like the first black person in the U S to attend a formerly all white school is only 67 right now.
1: That's horrifically young. For
0: this shit continued for another hundred and change years. Mm-hmm. Mm, no, no, almost a hundred years after this point. I'm really bad at math. But also, like, this was incredibly recently. This was, guys, this was incredibly recent. Uh, and don't let them convince you that it wasn't incredibly recent mm-hmm.
1: because.
0: Um, Yep, anyway, uh yeah.
1: and you know what, fucking so we should get into we should touch on chapter four, a smidgen. We yep. we already have been because as we said last time, this book is so fucking well written and so well constructed that the chapters do just blend together in a seamless like building towards the conclusion.
0: It's it's a rhetorically really sound book.
1: Mm-hmm. You're speaking fine, don't doing, worry doing about real it. Good. Anyway, um, so, but I want to hear, we have to, I, oh, I don't want to read the paragraph that broke my heart about Elizabeth Cady Stanton, but I kind of have to read parts of it so you yeah. understand. So, the Civil War happens. As we know from both this book and from history, black men being given the right to vote was less about the actual rights of black citizens than it was about political power. Um, but there seemed to be this illusion in the women's rights movement that by black men getting the right to vote before them, it was like an insult, and it was oh how how dare, um, because there was not, as Davis said in that earlier paragraph, a broad consciousness. Like a broad consciousness of racism, like they the abolition movement had failed to actually educate people in the per- perniciousness of racism and what it could be. I think partially and Davis doesn't say this one way or another, but I think partially because they couldn't have imagined the scope of what racism would be in like this 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 insidious like sub subconscious ways that it manifested that it manifests now, honestly, but I'm sure they expected racism. Uh, Because Douglas, Frederick Douglass primarily said, and tell me if I'm wrong, um, but Frederick Douglass was primarily fighting for the right to vote for black men because he knew that without it, without some vestige of political power, freedom, freeing the slaves was not going to make the lives of black people better because then the people, the communities that they lived in would just attack them if they didn't have any kind of political stake or like any kind of representation in the government. They they needed it for safety, and that was his argument for black people, black men getting the right to vote before women as a whole. But uh, I'm sorry, I'm just looking for the here is here's the basically two brief paragraphs. Here we go. Black male suffrage, as spelled out in the 14th and 15th. This is Elizabeth Cady Stanton. No, this
0: is Davis.
1: Oh, this Um, is Davis. And then I'll read the horrific Elizabeth Cady Stanton. I was braced
0: for it. (laughs) Oh no,
1: I can't. I have to work myself up to it. Black male suffrage, as spelled out in the 14th and 15th Constitutional Amendments proposed by the Republicans, was a tactical move designed to ensure the political hegemony of the Republican Party and the chaotic post-war South. The Republican Senate leader, Charles Sumner, fuck Sumner, had been a passionate proponent.
0: Charles Sumner, um, if I'm not mistaken, had a cane broken over his head because he said, and I quote, or uh, I'll quote it later, but, but he said that the South had taken, quote, the harlot slavery, unquote. He was assaulted on the Senate floor oh. uh, for being anti-slavery.
1: Who am I thinking of? There's a Sumner that's not great, but Charles I don't think it's Sumner.
0: him. Um yeah. Uh there's
1: a, there's a Civil War era Sumner that's not a good guy.
0: I mean, I'm sure Charles Sumner wasn't awesome,
1: but... Mm-hmm. He was uh, a man living in the 1900s, 1800s, so... Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. uh, yeah,
0: Sumner was almost beaten to death on the floor of the Senate by Preston Brooks, uh, the who was a House of Representatives member I think
1: I was confusing myself uh, yeah he
0: was a House of Representatives member uh, yeah Charles Sumner was almost beaten to death for speaking out against <laughs> slavery
1: okay I was on wrong. the floor
0: of the Senate no less it was it was one of the uh, when did that happen that was 56. 56 that was like yeah. that was one of those red flag moments that was like oh civil war's coming like yeah yeah like.
1: Okay, then I am wrong. Uh, Charles Sumner, we do stand.
0: I don't know if we stand him, but he he definitely uh, was anti-slavery. Anyway, continue. Sorry.
1: Well, we know that anti-slavery did not always mean uh, not racist either. Oh, Um,
0: absolutely right. Yeah.
1: But I but I digress. Um, Charles Sumner is not the Sumner I was thinking of. The Republican Senate leader, Charles Sumner, had been a passionate proponent of women's suffrage until the post-war period brought a sudden change in his attitude. The extension of the vote to women, he then insisted, was an inopportune demand. In other words, the Republicans wanted nothing to interfere with winning two million black votes for their party. When the Orthodox Republicans countered the post-war demand for women's suffrage with the slogan, this is the N-word, hour, they were actually saying under their breaths, this is the hour of two million more votes for our party. Yet Elizabeth Cady Stanton and her followers seemed to believe that it was the hour of the male, and that the Republicans were prepared to extend to black men the full privileges of male supremacy. When she was asked by a black delegate, oh, I'm sorry, when she was, (laughs) it's bad, When she was asked by a black delegate to the 1867 Equal Rights Convention whether she opposed the extension of the vote to black men unless women were also enfranchised, she answered, I say no. I would not trust him with my rights. Degraded, oppressed himself, he would be more despotic than ever our Saxon rulers are. Ew.
0: Elizabeth Cady Stanton loves describing people as Saxons. It's Mm. very weird in a thoroughly... Thoroughly 1930s fantasy writer kind of way.
1: Yeah. It's
0: really strange. It's Um, giving
1: very... I'm Aryan, so I have culture. (laughs) It's...
0: It's... It's... Yeah. It's weird.
1: I'm not white. I'm European energy.
0: (laughs) It's... Yeah. That's... It's very weird.
1: Yeah. Well,
0: because at this point, whiteness didn't include all Europeans.
1: Yeah. And so that's the, true. the
0: Saxon denomination was kind of critical there.
1: Even more white.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um but also it's also like really because you have this like insane backwards looking cuz like nobody had been a Saxon for a very long time yeah. at this point <laughs> like that that uh, not a useful way to describe anyone but it's it's very weird and it gives big Conan the barbarian energy.
1: Yeah. Um mm.
0: Speaking of racism. Anyway, continue, yeah. please.
1: Well, if that, <laughs> if that sounds out of character for who we previously thought was dope, Elizabeth Katie Stanton, listen to the first paragraph oh of my chapter God.
0: four. I'm bracing for it.
1: Yeah, so, okay, I'm just going to read it. And I'm replacing all N-words with the word N-word. And she does say another bad... Well, I'll just one. bleep it. I yeah. mean...
0: That I, one that one is less of a slur and more of a stereotype. It's not awesome, but...
1: Yeah, we, we haven't talked about that on this podcast so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna omit it because I don't know the delicacies of why that is bad oh this is from a letter to the editor by Elizabeth Cady Stanton Although this may remain a question for politicians to wrangle over for five or ten years, the black man is still, in a political point of view, far above the educated white women of the country. The representative women of the nation have done their uttermost for the last 30 years to secure freedom for the N-word. And as long as he was the lowest... Ugh... And as long as he was lowest in the scale of being, we were willing to press his claims. But now, as the celestial gate to civil rights is slowly moving on its hinges, it becomes a serious question whether we had better stand aside and see, stereotype, walk into the kingdom first. As self-preservation is the first law of nature... Would it not be wiser to keep our lamps trimmed and burning and when the constitutional door is open avail ourselves of the strong arm and blue uniform of the black soldier as we walk in by his side, thus make the gap so wide that no privileged class could ever close it against the humblest citizen of the republic? Skipping forward a bit. If the two millions of southern black women are not to be... Oh, God. Why should the African prove more just and generous than his Saxon compiers? If the two millions of southern black women are not to be secured the rights of person, property, wages, and children, their emancipation is but another form of slavery. In fact, ugh, the worst part, in fact, it is better to be the slave of an educated white man than of a degraded, ignorant black one. What the actual fuck, Lizzie? What the Fuck.
0: It's giving me J.K. Rowling.
1: It is giving J.K. Rowling.
0: <laughs> it's giving me. <laughs>
1: it's giving me anti-sex work feminists. It's giving me anti. It's. I
0: mean, it is. It's it is me white
1: nation feminists.
0: It's kicking the ladder down. It's. It's yeah. the. It's the. Uh oh, somebody else might get rights now and mm-hmm. challenge my status as a privileged minority group.
1: Yeah. Quickly,
0: time to use whiteness as a bludgeon against other mm. oppressed groups.
1: Yeah. It's clearly like I was willing to pursue abolitionism when I felt it like was con-
0: it was convenient for my was, goals.
1: Yeah. Ugh. But now that black people actually need political power before me to ensure their safety in large numbers, if they're going to be treated as members of this nation. Oh no, I want it first boo. Like,
0: yeah, it, um, it is, Bad. It is as unsurprising as it is disappointing, mm-hmm. um, and that I think is also extremely instructional uh,
1: <laughs> for modern movements.
0: For modern movements, but also like Yeah. It, it, for modern movements, exactly. It's it's that's why like intersectionality is so critical because when you reject intersectionality, that rightward shift automatically begins mm-hmm. when you start. Trying to club other people away from
1: rights. Yeah. (laughs) It's
0: very gross.
1: From what your idea of leftism is or, like, what progress is. Like, it reminds me of the trans-trenders argument from yeah um go ahead go ahead the contra points video on um transgender a- people that think non-binary identities aren't valid because they see mm-hmm. non-binary people as trenders who are just like mm-hmm. attaching themselves to mm-hmm. trans identities to feel special when in actuality anyone that is identifying with queerness is probably better for the movement because even if they find out they're not trans or if they find out that First, the argument functions on multiple levels. One being, why why can't non-binary be a thing? Like, obviously, we have examples of it from history. But also, even if people that are now identifying as non-binary do one day come out as cisgendered, you know what you have there? You have a very sensitive ally to the community who has lived the experience and who is gonna come out like more likely to politically lean towards things that would help people in the trans community it's
0: um i mean and this we see with any time a minority group becomes a culture war issue yeah you see people who you see that rightward shift uh you see it with turfs uh that's why i said it's giving jk rowling you Mm -hmm. see that i have i have done I've done my leg work for the movement, and now I'm going to club down anybody. Which also, like, J.K. Rowling has done no leg work for no. any movement as far as I know. Not at all. Um, she thinks she's
1: a feminist icon. She,
0: yeah, uh, but she has done no leg work for any movement.
1: Mm. It's but getting that's Blair the, That's the ideal. <laughs> <laughs> Did
0: you see her hanging out with Alex Jones? No! Oh, Yes. Oh, yeah. That's yes. a horrible combo. She she uh, posted a picture with Alex Jones, uh, who, by the way, uh, declared bankruptcy um, <laughs> in an attempt to get out of paying money to the Sandy Hook parents. Oh,
1: no. <laughs> oh, that's horrible. And the judges
0: actually. Yeah, anyway. Um, it's a bad man. But Blair White posted the, you know, the, um, the Suicide <laughs> Squad Harley Quinn, the like, she was his queen and, and was Phoenix. crazier than him. She posted that quote in a picture of her with an extremely, like, red-faced and sweaty Alex Jones. <laughs> um, and it was no. one of the most unhinged things. I, I, I might be able to find it. Um, oh, anyway, please. continue, and then I will jump scare you with this.
1: Oh, well, I don't particularly remember what train of thought I was going on. I think it was, like, three at once. But long story short, this chapter is largely about illustrating where we were seeing a lack of intersectionality in the women's rights movement and more and more black women being excluded from that movement um, sort of in a retaliation to this perceived affront uh, I
0: jumped scared out with the with the picture no
1: she was fearless and crazier than him she was a queen and god help anyone who dared to disrespect this queen <laughs> Okay. no <laughs> She does look like she, she could be his daughter in this picture, honestly. Um, just, uh, it's the cheekbones. But... Anyway. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was... White women were getting mad because they obviously had not actually learned anti-racism in their time in the abolition movement because the abolition movement failed to address what racism would look like in a more... In a free... In a society of free black to equal Like... In, in, when it wasn't directly mm-hmm. yeah. I'm sorry I finished your sentence uh, no th- that was it when it wasn't directly a response to ending slavery like what's yeah. the next step yeah. because it's pretty cut and dry to be like alright our focus right now is ending slavery and then after that alright our focus right now is ensuring that we've ended the attitudes of slavery by giving people the vote by the way if anyone ever asks you why black people got the right to vote before women um, here's a little quote from about Frederick Douglass's opinions on that as far as black people in the post-war South were concerned, a state of emergency prevailed. Frederick Douglass' argument for black suffrage was based on his insistence that the ballot was an emergency measure. However naive he may have been about the potential power of the vote within the confines of the Republican Party, he did not treat the issue of black suffrage as a political game. For Douglass, the ballot was not a means of ensuring Republican Party hegemony in the South. It was basically a survival measure. The means of guaranteeing the survival of the masses of his people. Because the movement couldn't and n- couldn't, out of necessity, think farther than the immediate physical dangers of their people. They didn't... And it's not the fault of the movement that white women were going to be racist. Um, but this <laughs> is basically illustrating that, like... And we do get into it with labor divisions as well, like we talked about in Chapter 3. The foundation of the feminist movement, if you consider it to be at Seneca Falls, is an inherently... Division, divisionist, divisive foundation. It did not include black women. It did not include working women. Obviously, it didn't include trans women, but that's a whole other conversation that Davis has not addressed. Because, long story short, if you consider Seneca Falls and the group of people that worked with, fostered, and moved on from Seneca Falls to be the foundation of the women's movement, it wasn't inherently crumbling foundation because it did not include so many perspectives of women at the time
0: yeah for sure
1: period end statement that's all i can say but yeah that does that does lead up pretty much to the end of the fourth chapter but also if you go back and read the sojourner truth ain't i a woman speech it fucking slaps it's really good i want i wanted to read some quotes from it but i'm like there's no way i'm gonna do it justice
0: um oh this is a really good quote Beecher's remarks reveal the deep ideological links between racism, class bias, and male supremacy for the white women he praises are described in the language of the prevailing sexist stereotypes. Mm-hmm. It's it's uh, it's ideologically linked.
1: Yeah. Um, oh, also, I don't know if we mentioned this a lot, but um, white women, if this movement were so desperate for supporters that they were fully willing to accept white supremacists... As their supporters, as long as they were men saying they liked women.
0: Yeah, it sucks. That's suboptimal.
1: Yeah, uh, maybe not great.
0: Not ideal. Uh, again, you can see that right word uh, rightward rightward rightward, rightward shift. Um, mm-hmm. Rights for me as long as it's the fuck you, I got mine.
1: Yeah. Which is
0: basically the the central pillar of conservatism. But
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> See that with a lot of white gays, too. One gay man.
0: <laughs> mm, yeah. Milo Yiannopoulos. Mm-hmm. To name one.
1: Listen. Two
0: minutes. Um
1: Lesbian and non-binary people talk about this a lot in the community. Oh, no, white, I know, I know, horrible. I
0: know. <laughs> well, I, th- they're white men, first and foremost. That's true,
1: yeah. They, they seem they, to believe they can't be sexist because they're gay.
0: That's, uh, yeah, that is definitely an ideology it's, that is out there.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: it sucks <laughs> it's very bad um anywho what, what's that there's that quote what is it it's um uh, it's about straight men but it's the straight men are just lesbians with longer cargo shorts and evil <laughs> in their hearts <laughs> um it's true and uh the, the evil in the hearts bit stays uh, if you're a white man
1: yeah I kinda never leaves you
0: um uh, anyway bless. uh
1: I think we're running ourselves ragged yeah you got another good you got a good quote to end us on Colin
0: Oh, this is a really good quote. It's from the final paragraph of chapter four. Although Frederick Douglass was the 19th century's most brilliant proponent of black liberation, he did not fully understand the capitalist loyalties of the Republican Party, for whom racism became no less expedient than the initial push for black suffrage. Essentially, yeah, when it was no longer politically convenient for them, the Republicans stopped giving a fuck. Yeah. Um
1: it was never about the rights of black people.
0: No. It was about, uh, it was about power.
1: Remember kids, Abraham Lincoln was not a great guy.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, yeah.
1: It, he's even, he, there are quotes from Abraham Lincoln oh, where yeah. he basically says, yeah, it's not about the rights of black people. No, it's, it's about. Yeah, yeah, it's. The party, the party line.
0: Yeah, it was a tactical decision as much as anything else. Mm. Uh, more than anything else, frankly. Yeah. All right, that's the end. Uh,
1: <laughs> Thank you for listening to our unhinged ramblings.
0: Uh, this read women racing class, do it now.
1: Sacrifice your firstborn to Angela Davis. I plan to. I'm kidding. Or am I?
0: <laughs> Al, who have you been?
1: I have been Al Gropi of genes, gene pronouns. Cool. Um, And who have you been?
0: I have been Colin Orton. He... He uh, there's, There might be some other ones. Who knows? Um, who knows? But
1: uh, thank you for listening. Oh, what, what is this podcast, Colin?
0: Oh, fuck, yeah. I didn't revert to muscle memory that time. It just stopped. Yeah. Uh, you can find this podcast at Left Us Lit Pod on Twitter or send us hate mail at gettinginformedpod at gmail.com. Shane sent us a hate message.
1: Oh, cool. What did he say?
0: Uh, I'm going to read it out because it's really funny. Uh, dear leftist lit pod cucks uh, Huba stank I rest my
1: case <laughs> You're right Shane <laughs> You're right Hoobastank I don't know what I mean I don't either Farewell right. We love you listener Hoobastank